We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Are you a broken vessel, weighted down with discouragement, illness, or perhaps a disability? Well, take heart. Whatever your burden may be, God offers treasures that will transform your life. Hello, dear listeners. You're listening to Broken Vessels, Hidden Treasures. And here are your hosts, Paul and Tabitha Norris. When we're born, we're all given names. In this day and age, names tend to be doled out according to what's popular or what sounds good to the parents. But sometimes a child might be named after a family member or because of a significant meaning. My parents named me Paul after my uncle, who was named after my grandfather's army buddy. Tabitha was named after a woman in Acts 9. Her name means beautiful eyes, and her parents' prayer for her was that she would have eyes that see others the way Christ sees them. Our names become our tag, the thing someone tugs to gain our attention. If someone wants to come or stop or listen, they call our name. When our name is spoken, our brain registers that someone is focusing their attention on us and wants our attention. Sometimes our name might be spoken in a very calm, loving manner. Other times, especially when our full name is used, a completely different message is conveyed. I know that because my parents often did that with my sisters. Okay, all right, I confess. I did hear Paul Michael once or twice. (laughs) People with charisma and strong people skills are often described as making the person they're talking to feel like the most significant person in the room. They do that by using the person's name. It'll be the first thing they ask for and the last thing they say as they leave. Like, so Joe, tell me what brings you here. Or does your family live here, Jane? Every use of the name emphasizes your importance and just how special you are. Each utterance seems to say, I'm listening to you and you alone. Typically, when we're meeting someone for the first time, the opening question is, what's your name? We want to know that person is an individual. The real test is, is that person special enough to remember the next time you meet them? Can you greet them by name days or weeks later, showing that they were special enough to take notice of? During one of my early years in Northeast India, a missionary couple offered to house me while my apartment was under construction. Most middle-class families in India have at least one servant. These missionaries were no exception to that. They had a woman who worked very hard and very faithfully for them for many years. She would prepare all the meals, serve tea to guests coming in and out of the house, do house cleaning, run errands. So when I moved in with them for close to a year, they all treated me as family. I addressed their servant as Mashi, which means aunt in English. My mornings would start pretty early, around 5 a.m. I enjoyed taking advantage of the quiet before school and get up to read my Bible and go over notes for teaching. Mashi would come in every morning with a hot cup of tea for me, and almost daily, she'd burst through the bedroom door and greet me with, Oh, Kobida! Well, for the first few days, I tried to clarify, Mashi, my name 
is not Kobida, it's Tabitha. And without any hesitation, she'd quip right back, Kobida is a fine name and that's what I'm going to call you. So that was that. From then on, each time she and I interacted, I answered to Kobida. <laughs> My students, out of respect, never addressed me by name. They called me Miss. Peers used the term sister. I just grew accustomed to hearing Kobida, Miss, and sister quite a lot. But I have to say, perhaps... It was the American blood in me. I don't know. But by the time I would return to the States on breaks, it was just nice to hear my name spoken by family and friends. In thinking about how meaningful it is when someone knows and calls us by name, I can't help but think of Jesus. For Jesus, we aren't just a number or a title he knows our name, and he knows even more than that. He knows our innermost being, our thoughts, our faults, our longings, our deepest needs. It's impossible, really, to overemphasize what a tremendous honor it is to be known personally and affectionately by the Son of God. Mm-hmm. Each time I read through the Gospels, recounting Jesus' ministry, I find it really interesting. The number of times Jesus called people by name and how those encounters changed their lives forever. Take Zacchaeus, for example. For those of us who grew up in Sunday school, we would easily summarize this story. There's even a well-known song. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Obviously, I've grown up in Sunday school. As the story begins, Jesus was passing through Jericho. Zacchaeus was a man who worked for the Roman government collecting taxes and was excelling in his career, wanted just like everyone else to get a glimpse of Jesus. His physical stature was an obstacle, but he came up with a brilliant idea to shimmy up a tree so he could catch a glimpse of Jesus as he passed by. Jesus was certainly not oblivious to this little man perched overhead on a branch. Jesus knew all about Zacchaeus' career, his longings and his motives, even the number of hairs on his head. He knew his name, and Jesus called him out by name and chose to fellowship with him in his home. Now, Zacchaeus usually is given a pretty bad rap. In sermons, he's often described as shady and corrupt. It might seem like a fair assumption. After all, is it even possible to find an honest politician or government worker? However... Does the Bible tell us that Zacchaeus lacked integrity? Ah, the crowd viewed him as a terrible sinner. They grumbled and were extremely displeased that Jesus would go to Zacchaeus' house. They were disgusted at the idea that Jesus would want an association with him. So let's take a second and think about who was in the crowd. Within the crowd, there were Jews who ultimately wanted their nation restored. Pharisees and other religious political party leaders who wanted to gain more influence and power. Zealots, you know, radical militants, who wanted to overthrow Rome. And to them, anyone associated with Rome or the collection of money for its government was the enemy. To them, Zacchaeus was a sinner by trade. But was Zacchaeus actually a fraudulent person? I became intrigued as I read his account in Luke chapter 19, 
and came across one small word, if. Zacchaeus told Jesus, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. What a declaration. Here he is a new born-again believer, and he makes this incredible commitment to the Lord. For this point forward, I'm going to give half of my belongings to the needy. Then he goes on to say, And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. I wanted to understand a little more about this word, if, and consulted with my father-in-law, our on-call Greek aficionado, if you will. So here it goes, for all of you language lovers. The class of condition for the word if, translated from Greek, actually means if, but I haven't. In other words, Zacchaeus was saying he'd been an honest man, not a cheat. Essentially, he was saying, I haven't used the law to my advantage. I haven't used my position to leverage the citizens for bribes. But if it ever comes to my attention that I have wronged someone, I will go above and beyond to make that right. There's no direct indicator that Zacchaeus was corrupt. His job, in and of itself, was not a crime, and he shouldn't have been berated for it. In Bible days, names were very intentional. A name often spoke something of the person's situation or character. Interestingly, Zacchaeus means pure, and from what we read, it does appear he worked hard to live up to that, to remain ethical and keep the law. But even while living a good, innocent life, that cloak of righteousness wasn't enough. Zacchaeus still needed a savior, and he found grace, mercy, and salvation through Jesus Christ that day. No matter what our story is, all of us stand in need of Jesus and his grace. The good news is Jesus is still in the business of knowing our names and lavishing his love and grace on us. We are not an unknown entity to him. I suppose that's one of the most overwhelming, mind-boggling thoughts to me of the billions of people alive on the earth today, Jesus knows me, me personally, every detail. He knows my name. The Bible tells us he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. The Bible tells us the Lord knows whose are his. Their names are engraved on the palms of his hands. He not only knows our name, he cares deeply and gives us names that describe our worth to him. Nothing is more central to our identity than the names God has given us. These titles of truth hold the power to renew and release us from old, sinful habits and crippling labels we may even give ourselves. Through faith in Christ, we are called saved, children of God, joint heirs of Jesus, redeemed and justified. He calls us his treasured possessions. He calls us friends and conquerors. In Ephesians 2.10 and Psalm 139, he tells us we're masterfully crafted. Jesus also addresses us as beloved and mine. Throughout the course of the Bible, people's names changed. Often when that happened, God's plan was to instill a new vision for that individual's life or give them a new role of work and ministry. Abram's name, for example, was changed to Abraham, meaning father of many nations. Hmm. Simon's name was changed to Peter, meaning rock. Saul's name was changed to Paul, meaning small and humble. Finally, one day, there will be a name change for all believers in heaven. 
Revelation 2.17 says, To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. Back in the day of ancient Greece and Rome, jurors in court cases declared their verdicts by depositing stones into a container. After being tried for a crime, either a black or white stone would be deposited in the receptacle. A dark stone represented a guilty vote, while a white stone signified an acquittal. Not guilty is the declaration of God that we as believers deeply enjoy. From a human perspective, his verdict is absolutely overwhelming and surprising. Because of our sin nature, we all deserve the guilty verdict. But within that courtroom of the Lord, our gracious judge will give a white stone declaring us justified. Case dismissed. Hmm. And perhaps the new name on that stone will not only represent our forgiven identity, but maybe what we accomplished for our Savior as well. I think hearing that name called out by the one who redeemed us will be even much more precious than hearing our name spoken here on earth. As much as we look forward to our new heavenly names, the name of Jesus is the name we love to hear more than any other. It's by his name we're fully forgiven and declared righteous. When you're faced with a situation that feels like a mountain you can't climb, or weighed down by deep discouragements and fears, remember, Jesus holds precious thoughts toward you. Just as Jesus took notice of Zacchaeus, he sees you as a unique and precious individual. He knows your name and every personality quirk. He knows your worries and your heart's desires. And he loves you as if you were the only creature he has ever made. There is no danger he will ever forget you. What about you, dear listener? How has God's grace transformed your life? In your Bible reading, what names has the Lord given you that you find encouraging? We hope you'll leave us your thoughts on our website or our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BVHT podcast. Thanks for tuning in today to Broken Vessels, Hidden Treasures. It is our hope and prayer that you will find the grace and goodness of God even in trials. We'd love to hear from you, and your feedback is important to us. You can reach out to Paul and Tabitha with comments, questions, or to share an episode with a friend in need through our website at bvhtministries.org.